Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the weekend edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Great to be with you here as we break down everything happening in the world of the New York Islanders. Game three coming up tonight as the Islanders look to get back into the game. It's a designated home game for the Isles, and I'll tell you, if they win it, this could be a very interesting series. But one step at a time, Islanders with a lot of work to do. Hopefully they will get it done. We've got a very special episode coming up. It's a crossover episode with Adam Danker of Locked On Lightning, and we will both be discussing what's happened so far in the series, what to look for in Game 3 and beyond, and sort of what the strengths and weaknesses are of both of these teams. So lots to discuss here, and it's a great little conversation. I think you'll enjoy it very much. Don't forget... If there's something on your mind that's Islanders-related, please feel free to send us an email. The address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. If you leave your name and where you're from, happy to mention you on the air. You could also follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnIsles. And you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter, at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. All right, now time for my conversation on this crossover episode with Adam Danker, of Locked On Lightning. A huge difference. It was a huge difference, definitely, the turnover and performances from both these teams. Obviously, there was absences for the Lightning, notably Point and um, Kalorn. But, I mean, what a huge turnover from going from an 8-2 game to the game-winning goal scored within maybe the last nine seconds. I mean, I, I was just waiting for the Islanders to do something after – Point and Clorn were gone. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I thought that as the game, we got deeper and deeper into it. I thought that the fact that the Lightning only had nine forwards would eventually come back to haunt them, that they'd get a little bit tired, that uh, the Islanders would be able to take advantage of that. But unfortunately, you know, they had plenty of chances, but couldn't finish. And, and their failure on the power play especially was very much a difference maker in game two. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that really stuck out to me and that it was just maybe just from a lightning fans point of view, if you've watched this game, this team all year is when the lightning relies solely on um, Vasilevsky to bail them out. It doesn't end well. And that's nothing, not a knock against Vasilevsky. Obviously he's a great goalie, but at the end of the day, he could only make so many saves until one gets past them. And I really thought there was, a, there was, maybe you could remember better than me. There was this one chance in front. I believe it was, um, I want to say Letty. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the puck right in front and he just f- missed the net. It went right over the crossbar, over the boards. And yeah. I think that was probably one of the best opportunities uh, New York had all game long. And that was really their, I think their chance 
late in the game to really uh, not only take the lead, but possibly add to more. Because I think once you score that goal against this depleted Lightning team, I think you guys blow the door wide open. Yeah, and look, you mentioned the Letty play. Bailey had a chance. It went over the goal. Uh, I, I know Anders Lee had a couple of chances in close. And on a number of plays, yeah, and then you had the, the Pulak breakaway also. Mm. But on a number of plays, even, you know, especially on the power play, you know, they, they had good shots, and yet they tried to make one too many passes. And mm-hmm. it, it really sort of got them into trouble. I, I thought the Islanders, especially on the power play, were trying too hard to make that perfect setup instead of putting pucks on the net and then going for rebounds and deflections and the like. And I think it really ended up costing them. I mean, when you've got a five on three for 38 or 39 seconds, and then you had a five minute major in the first period and you don't convert on any of them, that, that is, uh, especially in the playoffs where it's harder to have room out there and it's tighter checking and everybody's back checking. You got to convert on some of those power play opportunities and they just, couldn't do it yeah I mean the the Islanders were just I they were just trying to be too fine with the puck in front I mean they had these prime scoring chances and like you said they were they were also making too many passes but I mean there was a couple of plays throughout this game where not only Vasilevsky but uh Hedman made a great defensive play at one point uh there was that huge block by Yanni Gord with a minute 30 left on the rush on the odd man rush that I was, I can't believe he, he made contact with the puck, especially at the angle that he was coming in um, on the rush, the way he was defending. But um, at the same time, the lightning were kind of digging themselves in, own, in their own grave. I mean, if you look at it, they were taking bad penalties. Kalorn, who really has been getting away with this kind of this play, this all, all playoffs long. I mean, he's been penalized repeatedly every time he's in the box it seems it's for interference or uh boarding something of that nature to where he's just he's just to put it lightly he's being over enthusiastic with the physical play and that's something that came back to bite us last night I mean now it was announced today that he's going to be suspended for tomorrow's game which he rightfully so and um yeah, I, I mean, it was one of those things where you're just playing with fire and you're bound, bound to get burned. And then with the addition of Point being out, and we're not entirely sure yet as to what his status is. I mean, if you look at the replay of that 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 hit he got along the boards, that could be a number of things. That could be a concussion, could be a shoulder, leg. Um, so for, you know, I and, and I think the Islanders knew that. I think that they were, all right, you got two of the – you know, I guess the more significant guys on this Lightning team that have really been doing it all year, other than Kucherov, out. Let's you know this is our time to pounce, and I think that that's what really, I guess, they kind of got that that deer in the headlight kind of look. Now, I mean, I, I was saying at the beginning of this, uh, at the preview of this series, that I think the Islanders. I mean, let's let's just be frank here. They, under normal playoff circumstances, they would not be here right now. So they're basically playing with borrow time and they're taking full advantage of it, which is very admirable to see. But, you know, if you look at these two teams, the lightning are leagues above better and just based off ability. Uh, Let's not even talk about goaltenders, but um, you know, the, the, the Islanders, they, they, they really came in the game one, you know, they wanted to prove every wrong, everyone wrong. And then unfortunately the lightning for them, for the Islanders dropped a touchdown and a two point conversion on them. <laughs> but you guys, I have to, 
I really admire the way you guys played in those first, actually that entire game. You guys really came in with a chip on your shoulder as expected after losing a game like that. Um, nobody wants to lose a game like that, especially on national television when you're, you're four wins away from playing in the Stanley Cup. Um, so they really impressed me there. And I really do expect them to, to continue that play throughout this series. And folks, if you want to stay in great shape, you've got to check out a Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They have 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones like, catch this, caramel brownie, apple almond crisp, carrot cake, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, and cherry barcia. All 18 flavors are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and Built Bars are healthy. You could lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, while high in protein, high in fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. Let's look at the peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. Right now, Built Bar has a special offer. While supplies last, you can get a free cooler with purchase. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, we continue with our crossover episode with Adam Danker of Locked On Lightning. If you look at these two teams, the Lightning are leagues above better and just based off ability. Uh, let's not even yeah. talk about goaltenders. But, um, you know, the, the, the Islanders, they, they, they really came into game one. You know, they wanted to prove everyone wrong, everyone wrong. And then, unfortunately, the Lightning, for them, for the Islanders, dropped a touchdown and a two-point conversion on them. <laughs> but... You guys, I have to – I really admire the way you guys played in those first – actually, that entire game. You guys really came in with a chip on your shoulder, as expected, after losing a game like that. Um, nobody wants to lose a game like that, especially on national television when you're, you're four wins away from playing in the Stanley Cup. Um, so they really impressed me there, and I really do expect them to, to continue that play throughout this series. Now, how the Lightning are going to handle that um, – it's, it's very strange because there's certain times throughout games, especially in the second period where throughout this whole playoff run, where they just have seemed overwhelmed by teams coming out of, you know, the first puck drop of the period with all that momentum and the lightning are notorious slow starters. And, you know, for that combination, uh, especially with this, uh, with this Islander team, they, to me, from the outside looking in, they have a lot of guys that could do a lot of good things for them. They don't just have one guy that, you know, obviously Matt Barzal is the number one guy that everyone looks at uh, when the Islanders roll in the town. But you guys have a ton of weapons out there. You have J.G. Pajot, who was a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs a couple of years ago, um, single-handedly carried the Senators to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you have Anders Lee as well. And, I mean, you have a bunch of veteran talent, especially in, in Andy Green out there and Varlamov and Grice. And speaking of Varlamov and Grice, what is the thought process with Barry Trotz, really? Um, it, it's very – I haven't really watched many Islander games throughout this run, but I thought Varlamov was the guy. Did something happen in that last series with Philly that changed Trotz's mind? I, I don't think it, it was necessarily anything in particular. Look, the first 37 games of the regular season, 
Varlamov and Grice alternated starts. And then Varlamov ended up slightly uh, ahead. I think he ended up with 10 more starts over the course of the season than Grice had. But it's always sort of been a 1 and 1A. And what happened was when uh, there were back-to-back games in the Philadelphia series, the second half of those games, you know, the second game went to Grice as the starter to keep him sharp and to, you know, give a little rest to Varlamov. And Grice played exceptionally well. The Islanders won. Grice also played well in relief uh, in the game that the Islanders were losing 3 nothing. Grice came in against Philly, forced overtime, and they ended up losing 4-3 in overtime. But I, I think as far as Barry Trotz is concerned, you're looking at the hot hand and whoever he feels is going to best fit in on that day. I, I thought Grice might have gotten the start, you know, in game two because how Varlamov's body language, you know, in game one against Tampa was just terrible. I mean, yeah. he, he looked like he gave up before he even got there. Yeah, that was the thing that was, you know, I saw a lot of s- some stuff on social media, notably Twitter, how, um, you know, let's not remember, Grice only – was really on the ice for 11 minutes. Granted, he gave up three goals, but that's nothing compared to Varlamov giving up five. Right. So, and, you know, all the talk was, oh, Varlamov is going to start game two. And I'm like, did anyone just look at the stats of this game? I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to – if that's the mindset with Barry Trotz, I mean, first of all, pulling your goalie after three uh, goals, especially in the playoffs, that's – I mean, that's a deficit. If, if you play the right way, that could be made up in a period and a half. Absolutely. Um, and so – to, I, I feel like um, that that kind of move, especially when you have sort of this revolving door of goaltenders in the playoffs, um, A, it's really hard for either guy to get anything going. B, uh, confidence plays a huge factor. And to, to pull him after that, I think, does more damage than good really long term. Well, I, I think what it really did was uh, it, I, I think he went back to Varlamov in game two to, to rebuild his confidence and to show he still had confidence in him. And, you know, if Varlamov is nominally one and Grice is 1A, Grice is more in a, in a psychological position to say, okay, if Varlamov doesn't play well, I'm coming in, I may start the next game. But he wanted to keep Varlamov's confidence higher and let him know he still had faith in him, even though he played poorly in game one. Yeah, um, I mean, Varlamov played very well, but having said that, the Lightning didn't really challenge uh, Varlamov throughout the, the entire game until maybe the last five minutes. Yeah. Um, they had like 10 shots, I believe, into, uh, going into the third period. It was just – it was bringing me flashbacks of the whole Columbus series where the Lightning <laughs> were winning – we were winning games, and then – but we were winning them in such ugly fashion. I wouldn't call this game really an ugly fashion kind of game. But if you look at the shot totals, it was ugly. Um, and it was, I believe it was very lucky that, and, you know, you have to, the, the, I believe the number one star of this game was Vasilevsky. But if you had to have maybe a, a number one star A, just for, to, to be, to have the know with all to find Kutrov, and that's Ryan McDonough, who's been playing insane levels of defensive hockey throughout this whole run. And um, it was one of those games really where either team had a plethora of chances throughout the game to win. And I truly believe um, that the Islanders were really only maybe a, 
a, a couple of sequence or two away from winning this game if if things um if the lightning do not score on that play or if this game does go in overtime which it probably would have i believe that the islanders they would have built up their confidence they would have said hey we could hang with these guys let's go win it out there and i would have probably bet you money that the islanders would have definitely came out in ot but listen um i I carry my Met fandom into my Lightning fandom, and that's uh, hope for the best and expect the worst. Um, <laughs> I can relate. I yeah. Can relate. <laughs> so um, let's just talk about what were some of your expectations going into this series overall? Um, did you – how confident were you that the Islanders, especially after everything was happening – I mean, the, the Flyers aren't just any team. They're, they were top four in the conference heading in, obviously playing in the round robin. But um, – how how conf, how surprised maybe are you as well about this run? Uh, you know, I'm I'm mildly surprised, but far from shocked. I guess is the way I'd put it. Look, here here's the situation. People forget that in October and November, this is an Islanders team that had points in 17 straight games, mm-hmm. and they are when they play their game, they are capable of beating anybody on any night and you talked about you know Tampa Bay had 10 shots on goal through 40 minutes uh in game two that's the way the Islanders when they're playing their game that's what they can do to one of the most explosive offensive teams in the game right now um so I knew they could hang with anybody and I think the other advantage that the Islanders have is that Barry Trotz is just an outstanding coach Mm -hmm. and the team believes in him implicitly. He spells out, you know, what they need to do to win. And if they do it, most of the time, you know, they're more than capable of winning. Now, that being said, I picked the lightning in six. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, but, but I didn't think that many of the games would be eight to two. I think it'll be, you know, six hard-fought games was more or less my prediction heading in that the mm-hmm. lightning would know – that they were in the series. Look, on paper, the Lightning are a superior team. There's no question about that, but you don't play hockey on paper. And, you know, I think the Islanders are more than capable of, of taking still a couple of games in this series and, and making the Lightning sweat a little bit. But, you know, look, the way they bounced back after being blown out in game one speaks volumes to me about the way that Barry Trotz can get this team prepared and makes the right moves as far as who's in the lineup and who's not, who's going to be the goalie uh, in any given game, and just to motivate this team and have them confident and believing in themselves when they head out onto the ice. Mm -hmm. And now part three of my conversation with Aaron Danker of Locked On Lightning. I obviously view the lightning as a superior team. Uh, but there was always something, you know, there was that kind of that feeling that, okay, the Islanders after having that emotional game five, they're going to be tired. Either game one could go either way. They're going to be tired and the lightning are going to win this, or they're going to come out with tons of momentum after that OT game and just flip the, flip the script on us. And it could have easily been an eight, two game on the Islanders as well. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I expect the Islanders to come out in game three. Same. Uh, as for game one, I was shocked. I, I didn't really think that the Lightning were going to be able to come out and do pretty much have their way with this Islanders team. Um, I especially didn't think it was going to be 8-2. Um, but 
I, 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 don't, I don't know what else more to say about that. I mean, that's really to, to sum it up perfectly. I mean, the, the Lightning played a perfect game, and they've, they've shown that they're, they could blow out teams throughout this entire stretch. We saw it on the Boston series, and that caused havoc around the hockey world for about a day and a half. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the Islanders are going to – they're starting to really figure out how to play the Lightning. I expect them to probably maybe steal game three uh, in the similar fashion that the Lightning stole game two. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. I think you, the Islanders will be given everything they've got. They know they have to win game three. They will have the final change, which uh, I think Barry Trotz can take advantage of to, a, to an extent. And then, you know, obviously Killorn is out. Uh, yes. And we don't know about point uh, that that remains to be seen. I hope Brock Nelson can go because he oh, boy, boy, did he take punishment. He <laughs> he Brock Nelson had a rough night the other night, to say the least. Um, yeah. I I can't believe he actually stayed in the game. Um, I believe I did. Did he come back in the game he, after he the second did. time he left? That was I was shocked. I was I was 100 percent sure he was going into the quiet room. Yeah. Uh, for the rest of the game. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you guys could get Nelson back and with Kalorn, who has been basically the second guy on this team all season long after Kucherov with Stamkos being down uh, without, without uh, Kalorn and just solely having to rely on point and Kucherov with maybe Hedman, who has been hot. I mean, he has, uh, I believe seven goals in the playoffs right now, yeah, which is yeah. insane for a defenseman. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know how long that formula is going to be able to work, but uh, I stated from the beginning of the playoffs that, I mean, with Stammer out and them having to rely on these these supporting players, um, you could only really do that for so long unless it's one of those years where, you know, you're destined to win the cup or at least make a, a cup run. Right. Well, look, I mean, uh, I think the Islanders will give them a tough game. I, I think they'll take game three, and then game four will be absolutely crucial if that happens. But Islanders have to take it one shift at a time, one game at a time. And, and look, they know that the Islanders have to give – you know, they have to almost play a perfect game to beat the Lightning unless the Lightning really have a, a, a very poor game. I don't even think the Lightning played – poorly in game two I just think the Islanders played their style more than anything yeah uh, and and limited the lightning to an extent but you know I, I think the Islanders are far from dead at this point even though I don't think they're necessarily going to win the series no I mean I mean the one thing uh the the one thing that really stuck out to me in game two and that's going to really play in the Islanders favor is just the undisciplined play that this lightning team has. I mean, they were tied for the second most penalized team throughout the regular season and they've averaged almost five uh, penalties uh, taken per game throughout this whole run. So it's one of those, it's, it's one of those situations where you keep giving these kind of advantages. Granted the Islanders did have, did have uh, four chances on the power play. They were unsuccessful in all of them. Um, but you keep giving these type of advantages to a team like the Islanders, such as like they did uh, early on to the Columbus Blue Jackets, you're going to get burned. We saw that in the Bruins series as well. Granted, they are a different kind of team. They were the best team on the power play in the entire league, so that's a little bit different. But uh, for a team like the Islanders to, to get three to four chances a game, uh, especially when the Lightning are missing their captain, when they're missing – might be missing Braden Point and missing – Alex Kalorn for at least one game. Um, 
I would say that, you know, you're going to get your chances next game. It's really all of a question of how disciplined the Lightning can be and how willing, how good a chances are, are they going to be able to take throughout that entire game? And then from an Islanders standpoint, can the Islanders take advantage of these power play chances? Because quite honestly, if they would have scored one power play goal in game two, they would have won it. I, I, I'm, I was shocked. And I think I speak for all Bolts nation that, um, that you did not score at all in that five minute major. Oh yeah. They had uh, you had, so yeah, you had so many chances and it was just one of those things where um, it was the type of situation where you see uh, we saw it some throughout the season where the lightning would kill off a big penalty. And then that's when the other team scores right. <laughs> uh, on, on even strength. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, five minutes. And then you also had that five on three, I believe in the third period or it was yeah. just and end all of the they second. Did was yeah. Pass. All they did was pass. I know. I know. Perimeter pass, perimeter pass, perimeter pass. You, you know what? Oh. You, you can't, you're not going to score goals if you don't put puck on net. I mean, That's between it. between the passing and, you know, just fillet, flailing the puck into the stands. Yep. Um, like I said, I, I think that they were just trying to be too fine. I think that one of the major keys for the Islanders is Matt Barzell needs to get on the scoring sheet. Uh, mm-hmm. Zero points and a plus minus of negative one. That's especially after drawing the comparison of being the better player than point at that point in time. Um, but <laughs> it was, you know, he's, he's definitely the guy. I mean, you would know better than me that I would imagine Islander fans probably look to, and probably some of those guys look to, to really kind of take uh, the game into his hands at certain points. We saw it early on in game one point, taking the puck in maybe a minute into the game, making that great move on the defender and then just basically dangling rice out of his pads. Those are the kind of situation that that is the kind of plays where lightning fans want to see where Braden point just, takes this team on his back um is that something similar that you see from Mark Bat- matt barzell or is that kind of a or is it more of a balanced outlook for this team oh well, i mean barzell is the most talented offensive player that they've got and you know i think it, it's almost like especially in game two i felt like he was almost trying too hard to create a play like that yes. rather than to see the opportunity and then take it when it when it comes to you uh and when you force it very often you turn the puck over or you, you know, the, the puck goes off your stick or you try to fake out two or three guys and, and you lose possession and you can't force these things. You can take them when the, when the opportunity arises and sometimes a, a talented player like Barzal can have an opportunity when nine other players wouldn't see an opportunity, mm-hmm. but you can't force it. And I think to a point in game two, especially, he was trying to create stuff that really wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and, and then one of the things that I noticed in game two as well is that the lightning have this weird trend of if something works, you know, usually the, the old saying is if something works, why change it? You know, right. Uh, lightning were exploiting the Islanders, really not knowing how to react to that three up top uh, set up in the offensive zone where they had the two defensemen up by the blue line and one of the forwards, mainly Braden Point. And throughout the time, especially in the first period, the Islanders didn't really know how to adjust to that. And then later on that game, granted the the, the game was pretty much out of control by then, um, I'm surprised going into game two, they didn't go back to that. I mean, we saw it it was one of those things that was very mystifying to me. Um, and I don't know if, I guess that's, you know, you have to blame the coaching on that, but 
I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we won the game. But, I mean, back to Barzell, uh, you know, no points. He had three shots on goal. I probably remember five chances he had where he had a good opportunity. Because even if it's not a perfect shot, putting puck on net, you're going to create second and third chances. I mean, you guys had the personnel right in front, um, which was interesting. That's what Anders Lee is for. Yeah, exactly. That's his job. Get in front, muck things up, get in the goalie's way, get deflections, get rebounds. That's why he's there. And look, you know, I was very frustrated in game two, and I even tweeted out the old Gretzky quote, you know, late in the game where you don't score on 100% of the shots you don't take. And uh, I I hate using that quote because it's so cliched, but it fit too perfectly the way the Islanders were playing, especially in that third period. Yeah, and I mean it was it was an it was a detrimental thing towards the Islanders. But like I said early on, uh, when Vasilevsky normally doesn't face a lot of shots, that works in the other team's favor eventually because he kind of gets, I guess you could say, lulled into a little false sense of security. I mean, we saw it in Game One. I believe it was on that second goal. Granted, there was also a breakdown in defense, but right. I remember who scored that goal in Game One. But it was a it was a shot, zero traffic in front, and just Vasilevsky whiffed on it. And that's the kind of thing that could work in your favor in, in game three. I fully believe if maybe you guys come out, maybe put up 15 to 20 shots as long as you limit the Lightning's offensive play, I think you guys have as good of a chance as any, if not more, of winning that game. Well, I all right, want to thank Adam Danker of Locked On Lightning for this interesting conversation as you get a little bit of a different perspective on the Lightning and the Islanders and the task ahead. Game three tonight, game four Sunday. Hopefully there'll be more Islanders games after that. Have a great weekend. Uh, Hard to believe today, 9-11. So uh, for all of those marking that solemn anniversary, uh, our thoughts and prayers always with you. Have a great weekend, everybody. And of course, let's go Islanders.